ESPN Radio. It's Kenny and Carlin on a Friday on ESPN Radio and E+. Hit us up on the Kenny Carlin line, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We're talking Brooklyn Nets. Carlin and I have some serious doubts that this team can make the playoffs. And we're not talking about the play-in tournament. We're talking about the playoffs, a real series, seven games. I I just don't know how they get to that point, Carlin. Kevin Durant coming back last night was supposed to be the magic potion, the special elixir that would get this team back on track. And instead, even though Kevin Durant was stellar in his return, dropping 31 after a 21-game absence, the Brooklyn Nets lost to the Miami Heat. And you're talking about a Heat team that didn't have Kyle Lowry, didn't have P.J. Tucker, and didn't have Jimmy Butler. Carlin, I struggle with seeing a path for this team without Kyrie being a full-time player, without Ben Simmons being on the court. I struggle to find a path, even with Kevin Durant being amazing, to this team actually being in the postseason. They're not a good team. They're they're not a good team. I mean, we can talk all we want about the talent level when they're on the court, but they're never on the court. And when they're not on the court, they're not a good team. It's as simple as that. And look, KD doesn't want to take any of the pressure. If he's not going to, I don't know who is. Why would I believe in anything going on here? Kyrie, basketball is not his number one priority. No. That's very clear. Ben Simmons, I, I, I don't even know if he's going to play this year. I don't even know if it benefits him to play this year. KD's at a point now where he has to be looking around thinking, what did I do? Not, not just by leaving Golden State, mm. but what did I do to the point where I connected with Kyrie and that inside of a year... I drove James Harden away, or we drove James Harden away from this in what would have been, I think, the best three, the best top three, if they were all on the court at the same time for more than 16 games, the best top three together that may have ever played the game. From an offensive standpoint? Yeah. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and, and But yet, here I am. And I have no answers as to how to fix this situation that I have put myself in at all. And here's what I will say. I know we look at Kyrie Irving as a champion and what he did in that series for the Cavs when they were playing the Golden State Warriors. I get it. You can't, you can't, you can't change history. He hit the big shot that turned the series on its head, and the Cleveland Cavs had an opportunity to hold up the Larry O'Brien. I give him credit for that. But it's but the I, first thing I, you think of anymore? No, it's not the first thing that I think of, but it also makes me go back to that time in history in the NBA. And I recognize you're talking about LeBron James being at the height of his powers in that series, and you're also talking about Draymond Green being suspended in that series, which was significant in terms of the role that he played for that Golden State Warriors squad. But in just looking at the big picture, it didn't work out for Kyrie in Boston when he decided he want out he wanted out of Cleveland he didn't want to play with LeBron James anymore it didn't it didn't work in Boston with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and you're talking about a team in the Boston Celtics that pushed the Cleveland Cavaliers to a game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals the year before Kyrie decided to join them and it was a complete meltdown when Kyrie went to be a part of that team he was supposed to be the leader and you realize he led them nowhere 
And then all of a sudden, in free agency, we're saying, okay, Kyrie Irving, he's going to come back to New York. He wants to come back home. He decides to choose the Nets over the Knicks. If you're Kevin Durant in that moment, why would you choose to trust a Kyrie Irving that didn't get along with LeBron James, even though they won a championship, and didn't make it work in Boston with one of the most respected coaches at the time in Brad Stevens, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown? I don't understand the logic behind it beyond I want to go play with one of my good friends. And and that is why we're not paying enough attention or at least giving enough heat to Durant based on these decisions. Mm. Because when you look out west at the other great player in the league, he's catching nothing but heat, as he should, for what has transpired in Los Angeles. But Kendrick Perkins put it beautifully this morning on first take, and he basically said the pressure here is on KD and squarely for the Nets to win a championship. The pressure is all the way on Kevin Durant for the simple fact that, one, he's dealing with Kyrie, mm. and he's staying by Kyrie all the time through everything that he does. Matter of fact, he's standing with Kyrie so much that they lost James Harden because of Kyrie Irving. We have to start keeping the same energy that we do for LeBron James for Kevin Durant Mm -hmm. because he plays a major role in the pieces that he has around him in Brooklyn or to say so. Chris, we have all had that friend at some point in our lives where we continue to stand by him. And when people ask, like, why are you defending this guy? Why are you? Oh, that's just him. You know, that's just, you know, you, you don't understand him. That's just him. KD is at that point here with Kyrie, mm-hmm. where now we all get to the end of the line with that friend of like, I can't help you anymore. And I feel like KD, if he's not there yet, has to be approaching that. And I would ask the question, if you're not there yet, where you're going to continue to be fully aligned with this, what are you looking at that we're not? Because I understand that behind closed doors at practice and all this stuff, you can see things that the general public doesn't. What we see is a guy that is not fully invested at all in winning a championship. I agree with you. Kyrie is is not focused on playing basketball at the highest levels. Now, when we see him, like that performance that he put on in Milwaukee, it just it, it, it makes you think about what the possibilities are if he were a full-time player with Kevin Durant it, like and with Ben Simmons. But that's exactly what it's been the last two years. Yep, it, it, It's been Kyrie, oh, we see these flashes of brilliance, but we know that it's going to be short-lived because there's going to be something that pulls him away from the basketball court, whether it's um, you know interest in the, the political landscape, whether it's just going AWOL and then showing up at a birthday party for your sister and your dad, or it's being a voice for the voiceless in COVID when it comes to vaccine mandates and masking. I mean, you name it, Kyrie comes up with all of these different things that are more important than the job that pays him 30-plus million dollars a year. I don't understand it, but if you're Kevin Durant, what's the upside to cutting bait from Kyrie now? There isn't any. There isn't any. So you have to ride this thing out. Like, this is your guy, for better or for worse. You guys are married. Your legacy is tied to this because you left the better basketball situation in Golden State to team up with Kyrie Irving, a guy who just so happens, given the vaccine mandates in the New York City area, is going only going to be eligible for seven of the eight remaining road games that they have. 
in none of the home games. That's the reality of where they're at. And this is a team that's five games back from the sixth spot in the Eastern Conference. I think it's the Cleveland Cavaliers that are locked in the sixth in the Eastern Conference standings. So that's where the Brooklyn Nets are at. They're running out of games to avoid the play-in. And if they just so happen to be in the play-in, if the playoffs started today, Carlin, where are they starting to play in at? Where, who are Seven. they playing? Right now they are playing. Or they're, they're at the eight, and who they are, would be playing, playing the Toronto Raptors. They're playing. So, so can Kyrie play in that game? Nope. Exactly. So then you're left with if you lose that game, which is not outside of the realm of possibility because last night they lost to a team that would be on par with the Toronto Raptors. If you lose that game, then you're talking about playing against the Charlotte Hornets, who can get hot and beat anybody, and the Atlanta Hawks, who just beat the second team in the Eastern Conference, the Chicago Bulls. So like I said, there is a distinct possibility that we could be talking about the Brooklyn Nets not even being in the playoffs. That would be a massive failure after this was a team three weeks ago before the trade deadline that was viewed as the odds-on favorite to go to the NBA Finals out of the East. But they're not making the playoffs, and when we look so back— So you're saying they're not making it? Nope. They're not making it? Absolutely not. And when we look back on this era of the Brooklyn Nets, we're going to realize that it is one of the largest failures— in the history of professional sports. And I do have to wonder this little thought. Kyrie can opt out after this year. Then KD's rooting for it. Mm-hmm. It's got one more year. KD has already tied, signed his extension. Remember this. KD has already signed He's his extension. In. He is the only one that's locked in. I mean, Simmons is locked in too, but... Think he's rooting for Kyrie to opt out? Can well, I, if well, I'm I the Nets, I, well, I cannot give him a contract. Well, well, you can't give him a contract, but here's the thing. Kyrie said he's not going to play for anybody else but the Nets. So we'll have to see. And so I'm the, sure he'll opt in for one more year. But it's Kevin Durant's franchise. So Kevin Durant is ultimately going to be the one that makes that decision. Well, he can't make it this year because it's a player option, but he can make it next year. Whenever it happens... Kevin Durant is making a decision on whether or not Kyrie is going to be his guy. And if the last three years have told us anything, he's going to back Kyrie's play every step of the way. We'll have more on this a little bit later up in the show. But coming up next, Jason Tatum drops 37 on his birthday. And it got us to thinking, because he just turned 24, who's the best player in the NBA under the age of 25? Carlin and I will get into it. You're listening to ESPN Radio back after this. ESPN Radio. It's ESPN Radio. He is Chris Carlin. I am Chris Canny. Also on E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. So, Carlin, I told you yesterday, the game that I wanted to watch last night in the NBA was the Memphis Grizzlies visiting the Boston Celtics just because you had two young superstars in John Morant and Jason Tatum going head-to-head And Tatum, it was his 24th birthday, and he did not disappoint. He put on an absolute show. He went bazonkers. I don't even know the word, berserk, bonkers, whatever you want to call it. 21 points in the fourth quarter and and was able to put that game away for the Celtics. But 
John Morant didn't, didn't disappoint as well because you're talking about a guy that dropped 38 points. Yeah, it was on 13 to 29 shooting, but it's still 38 points, and he's good for one of those highlights, the fast break where he gives it up to Desmond Bain, and then Desmond Bain lobs it back to him. He dunks it with his left hand. Just unbelievable play on the alley-oop, and it feels like John Morant is good for two or three splash plays like that every single game. But nonetheless, watching these two young players go back and forth in last night's game, got us all to thinking this morning just exactly who is the best player under the age of 25 in the NBA to put it another way if you were starting a franchise today and you wanted to pick a guy that was 25 years old or younger who would be the guy that you're taking to give you just the list of guys that we are considering from you're talking about Luca Trey Young Morant Tatum Zion LaMelo SGA and Bam Adebayo, which... Why is Bam Adebayo on this list? Because he's under 25. Yes. I mean, <laughs> well, Bam balled... I will say this. Bam balled last night. He yes. dropped 30 in Brooklyn. Yes. He balled last night, and he didn't have a whole lot of help. But it's just... All right, let's just offer a complete sampling, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Bam is like the saltine to cleanse the palate. Put it that way. <laughs> uh, for me, it's Morant. And it listen, this is close. It's close with Tatum. And it's close with Doncic. And it's not that far off with Trey Young. But it's Morant because, as I said to you before, John Morant makes me want to watch Desmond Bain play. I cannot flip through the channels right now without stopping on a Grizzlies game. I could I could see myself passing a Mavericks game if I yes. had to. Yes. Not, not that I wouldn't want to stop and watch it, but if I'm going to win, that's the other part for me. Ja feels like the player that is the centerpiece of a championship team. That's uh, Why is that? I don't know. I can't quantify it yet. It's just a feeling right now. I've seen Luka in the playoffs have big moments. We we saw it in the bubble a couple of years yeah. ago, and, and I've seen it. Who was that against the Clippers, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've seen it against, uh, we've seen Trey Young last year. Big moments against the Knicks and then getting to the conference finals. finals. Yeah, that's a yeah. big deal. Tremendous. Absolutely. Tatum. I, I, I'm a huge believer in Tatum. Tatum is the center of my worst take of all time when I worked in Philly and said, oh, my God, they've got to take Markel Fultz over Tatum. You're Dear nuts. Dear God. Oh, my God. I died on the hill hey, well, on, the, on the Schuylkill River in Philly on that take. Well, my Lakers weren't much better because they took Lonzo Ball, but at least Ball turned out to be a better player than Fultz. Exactly. But, yeah. but for me, if you're asking me to start my team with anybody, it's Morant right now. Yeah, I think it's Morant for me, too. And I go back to the pre-draft interview that Ja did with Chris Haynes, who covers the NBA. And it was that soundbite where he says, I'm a point god. And Chris Haynes says, "You're yeah, we know you're a point guard. And he's like, no, 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 I'm a point god, which means I control the game, which means I set my teammates up. I get them the ball in the spots where they want it. And the way that I do that at a high level is by studying those guys to understand their strengths and their weaknesses to make sure that I'm more efficient in how I control the complexion of the game, the tempo of the game. And that's apparent every single time you watch this Memphis Grizzlies team play. But then when you also look down at the stat sheet, and I'm not a big stat sheet guy, Carlin, but I'll say this, the one thing that was telling to me, this Memphis Grizzlies team has been acquiring a lot of young talent over the past few years. 
And we get it. Taylor Jenkins has done a great job in terms of developing those young players. But John Moran has taken them to the, to the next level. When you look at the leading scores for the Memphis Grizzlies, five of their six leading scores are guys that have been in the league three years or less. The only guy that's wow. in there is Dylan Brooks. And when is the last time we've seen Dylan Brooks? Yeah. Exactly. And yet this Memphis Grizzlies team continues to win. Since the calendar turned to 2022, they have the second best record in all of basketball to the Phoenix Suns. To me, that's how you quantify the impact of what John Morant means to the Grizz. And that's why I would give him the edge over Luka Doncic. Not that Doncic doesn't. Not that Doncic has this amazing supporting cast because he doesn't. And we saw that the Mavs decided to cut bait with Kristaps Porzingis, thinking they were better for doing that, trying to prepare to find somebody else this summer to be that 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 number two option for him. But I just look at the things that John Morant brings to the table, the intangibles, and just the overall belief, the mentality. That's what I want from my guys. When I hear the sound bite that says, I want to run up the chimney because we want all the smoke, that's the kind of stuff that I feel like I can build around. And that's the they've embodied the attitude that Ja plays the game with, and that goes beyond the stat sheet. Last part about this for me, the one part that really angers me. Mm. We should be talking about Zion Williamson here. Yeah, we should. And he can't get on the floor. And I don't know, I don't know if it's a combination of everything, of injury, of a potential another foot surgery, and just not wanting to play in New Orleans. I mean, he hasn't wanted to be in New Orleans since the draft lottery night, and that's been very clear. He's been trying to do everything he can to get to New York, and it's it's frankly, it's aggravating because we have seen a little bit of it, and we know what it can be when we've seen it. We should be having that discussion more. Yeah, so that is the future of the NBA, the players that are 25 years or younger. Coming up next, we'll get to the future of the NFL, going out to Indy to talk to one of the best and brightest football minds that's out there today. That's on Carlin and Candy, ESPN Radio and ESPN App. ESPN Radio. You're listening to ESPN Radio (laughs) with Chris Candy and Chris Carlin, also on E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And, Carlin, the news of the day in the NFL is the Cowboys likely to make Amari Cooper a cap casualty while working on a deal for Michael Gallup. Now, we saw Michael Gallup toward the end of the season tear his ACL, and it wasn't a pretty picture, and you wondered how his free agency would go. I don't know that we're going to find out because it seems like they're going to be poised to get this done before the start of the new league year on March 16th. But in losing Amari Cooper, what does that mean for the Dallas Cowboys? Well. For me, the problem with Cooper is is not the production so much as it's the money. Mm. And and that's that's the number. I, I actually think the Cowboys can be okay without him. It's just you are clearly taking away somewhat of a security blanket for Dak Prescott in that his numbers are infinitely better with him on the field. But having said that, um, there are... Do we look at the Cowboys receivers and say they can't function without Amari Cooper as opposed to the other issues that they have to address on this team? I don't think that the Cowboys cannot function offensively without Amari Cooper. I think you have to go beyond the numbers to understand the impact of Amari Cooper. Because you're right, this is the first time in the last five years 
where he didn't have over 1,000 yards receiving, but he did have eight touchdowns, and Dak Prescott posted a total QBR of 65 with Cooper in the game compared to a 35 QBR when he was on the sideline. And just for context, there are only three quarterbacks this season that had QBRs higher than 65. That was Aaron Rodgers, who was the MVP, Tom Brady, who's the runner-up, and Justin Herbert, All right, pretty exp- damn good quarterback. But explain that to me. Is that because of the impact that Cooper makes in the passing game? Is that because of a comfort level that Jack has with him? Is it because what Cooper, having him on the field, opens it up and makes it much better for Dak I to make a play? I think it's a ladder rather than the two prior points okay. that you were trying to make. Because Amari Cooper, make no mistake about it, is a number one receiver. And when it comes to a route runner, one of the best in the game. And he's only 27 years old, so to cut bait with him, I'm sure, was a difficult decision. And the reason why you're probably not hearing about a reworked contract is because Amari Cooper knows that he can get more on the open market. So it's going to be tough for the Dallas Cowboys to find a way to keep him, so they're going to go ahead and cut him. And I'm pretty sure we're going to hear about him latching on to a new team before the start of the new league year. But in replacing him, this gives them an opportunity to lock down Michael Gallup. I'm sure that number is going to be a lot lesser than it would ordinarily be had he been healthy. Cedric Wilson is an impending free agent. They could take care of that business. If they want to try to re-sign Dalton Schultz, that's an opportunity. I'd, heard, I'd heard a little bit about, about the tag with him. I don't know if they're going to do that. Well, either way, you have yeah. an opportunity to reallocate the resources that you were going to dedicate to Amari Cooper to other places in your roster, and that would fit to what Stephen Jones was talking about when it came to how the Cowboys felt about free agency. But then also, when you consider the wide receiver position, Carlin, we're starting to see a lot of these guys come straight out of the college ranks and have a huge impact on their team. We saw it this year with Jamar Chase, who might just be the best receiver in the National Football League. I think he is right Even as a rookie. And believe it or not, I think he is. Two years ago, Justin Jefferson, his teammate at LSU, I mean, set the world on fire in Minnesota. So, I mean, based on what's going on in Indy right now and what we've saw from this wide receiver class, I mean, these guys are running sub 4 4 40 times out the wazoo. You had nine guys run sub 4 4 40s. That's the most in NFL combine history. The prior record was 2007's wide receiver class. So, I mean, when you look at Tyquan, Tyquan Thornton, now I don't know if he can play receiver, but the guy can run. The receiver out of Baylor, he ran a four two eight. Now they timed it on the handheld; it was four two one. So the electronic you know, told us something different. But you got a lot of wide receivers out there that are pretty good. Christian Watson, a highly touted receiver out of North Dakota State, big guy, ran a four three six. The two Ohio State receivers, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, both of those guys sub four four. And some say Garrett Wilson is the best athlete at the combine. So, I mean, you know, when you start talking about trying to replace that position or trying to find help at that position, I think a lot of teams are going to look at this wide receivers class and they're saying, rather than spending big bucks in free agency, I can go the route of getting one of these receivers out of the draft. One of those two, one of the two Ohio State receivers is going to be that next Jefferson Chase guy. Who? I'm not sure. They're both incredible. Yeah. I, I, I watch them a lot the last few years. I think they're both fantastic. Uh, Wilson is the guy that is the the big, big play guy, mm. the downfield guy. Uh, not that Olave isn't. He's got great speed, and he can do it as well. 
Uh, but they're just both so incredibly capable. It's Chris Garland, Chris Canty on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. But having said that, if you are the Cowboys and the needs that you have, are you going early with your draft and trying to take one of those guys right away that can be the next Jefferson, the next Jamar Chase, or are you going to address your other needs? I don't think the Cowboys have any choice where where they go with their first-round pick. It has to be on the offensive line, Carlin. That, that, that is a glare, I don't disagree. That is a glaring need for them. Connor Williams, not not that you want to keep that guy, but Connor Williams is a free agent. Tyron Smith's got a Tyron, I mean, Tyron Smith is unreliable. He's played in 13 games over the past two years. Tyler Biotish is a disappointment. I mean, you, you feel decent about Zach Martin and Lyle Collins, but even Lyle Collins had some issues with some injuries this past year. So I, I you've got to find other cornerstone players on your offensive line in order for this team to continue to keep open that championship window. And you just paid Dak Prescott $40 million a year on a contract coming off of multiple ankle surgeries. Now, Carlin, when you buy a house, you damn well better get the homeowner's insurance. And to me, making sure you have a good offensive line is homeowner's insurance for your quarterback. That's something that they absolutely have to do. I don't think they have a choice. So as attractive as some of these fancy weapons might be, I think it starts with their offensive line. That group got has got to get back on track if the Cowboys are going to contend at a high level. They gave up five sacks to the defensive front for the San Francisco 49ers in the wild card game. Shut that offense down. They've got to find a way to be able to fix that. They've got to infuse that group with some young talent. And this is a pretty good draft to try to do it in. No doubt. Because it is one of the deeper positions. We had Todd McShay on yesterday, and he said – you know, defensive ends, pass rush, is probably the deepest position overall in this draft. But as far as offensive line, you've got a bunch of guys that can go high in this draft in the first round, and that would lead me to believe that the Cowboys, when they pick, are still going to have uh, an opportunity to get a pretty good offensive lineman, somebody that can make a, a real impact relatively early. And and I, I'm with you. Like, I just gave all that money to Dak Prescott. I have an offense that is thoroughly capable of doing big things if I could protect for him. Uh, I just, I cannot screw around with it anymore. I cannot screw around with it anymore. And I need somebody on the outside to protect them. Yeah, that's what it has to be. And so this is a great draft to find protectors. You got Evan Neal and Icky Aquanu from NC State. You got Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. You got Bernard Ryman from Central Michigan. I mean, you got a ton of offense. Tyler Lindenbaum, he's an interior guy. I, I mean, love him. Tyler Lindenbaum has a degree of nasty that the Cowboys oh. certainly certainly would love to have. You got Charles Cross from Mississippi State. There, there are offensive linemen at the top of this draft that the Dallas Cowboys could plug and play and would make a huge difference in terms of what that unit looked like. So so I, I, think, I think they have no choice. That's the direction that they have to go. We'll see what Jerry and Stephen Jones end up doing, and I'm sure they'll tip their hand to it 
with what they do with the rest of their roster moving closer toward the draft. But coming up, it's time for a little contender or pretender in the NBA. Who do we trust at the top of each conference? We'll tell you next. This is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. ESPN Radio. Carlin and Kenny on ESPN Radio and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And right now, Carlin, we got to think about what's going on in the NBA because we're getting ready to go through the stretch run here, about a month left in the regular season, which got us to thinking, based on the standings in both conferences, who are the teams that we trust the most? Who's a contender and who are the pretenders? Now, in the Eastern Conference, we got the Miami Heat in the pole position, followed by the Philadelphia 76ers, who are two games behind, the Chicago Bulls in the three-spot, Milwaukee, Boston, Cleveland, and then at seven, Toronto, and then eight with Brooklyn. In the West, we got the Suns and the Golden State Warriors with the Memphis Grizzlies a half game behind the Warriors in that three spot. The Utah Jazz, the Dallas Mavs, Denver Nuggets, Minnesota T-Wolves, and then the Clippers at eight, followed by the Lakers at nine. Now, as a Lakers fan, I can tell you, I absolutely don't trust them. The Lakers are absolutely pretenders. I don't even know if we're going to make the playoffs. But... When we start looking at both conferences, who are the teams that are in the top of the conference? Let's just say the top three that we trust the most, and who are the teams in the top three that we have the biggest questions about? I, I'm going to start in the West. Just start where you want. I'm going to start in the West because you and I have a fundamental disagreement on this one. And I, I'm starting with Phoenix. I believe they're contenders. They're not pretenders. And I know that CP3 is out until the playoffs, okay? I absolutely think this is a good thing for them to go through a stretch without him considering where he is in his career so that they can learn how to win games without him i mean he he signed the contract but when i say where he is in his career i mean in terms of injuries and it, and the fact that they're inevitable for him when it comes to the postseason they're going to have to win some postseason games without him so Let's see that Devin Booker and Bridges and DeAndre Ayton are all equipped to do that in an extended stretch without him, I truly believe is going to be helpful enough for them. And they've built up enough equity here where they're not going to fall off of a cliff here uh, out west. They're a contender. Yeah, they're going to be in the pole position. They'll be the number one seed in the Western Conference at the end of the regular season. I'm not doubting that. They've built themselves up enough of a cushion. I mean, going into the All-Star break, they had a six-and-a-half game lead over the Golden State Warriors, who was the next closest team. But I will say this. We haven't seen the best that Golden State has to offer. And I get it. They've lost seven of their last nine. Draymond Green has been out and that's been a huge factor of because they're allowing nine more points per game with Draymond out of the lineup. But also what he does to that offense. And you saw it last night with Steph Curry and the fact that the Dallas Mavericks decided they were going to trap him and not let Steph beat him. Credit to Jason Kidd for doing that. But if you got Draymond on the court as the point forward, guess what you can't do in the half-court offense? Yeah. Trap Steph Curry. Yep. Not to mention Klay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins and the bench that they have with Kaminga and GP2 and and Toscano Anderson, all of those guys. They have got a roster where they can go nine deep in their playoff rotation, which is saying a lot. Not saying that the Phoenix Suns aren't deep, but I trust a team that has championship pedigree. The core of the Golden State Warriors has been there, and they've done that, 
and they got the T-shirts and the Larry O'Briens in the trophy case. So that's why when I look at the Phoenix Suns, I, I don't so much as believe they're pretenders, but when it comes to the other teams that are they're going to be contending against, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're the team that I look at as the team to beat in the Western Conference. Can the Grizzlies get to the conference finals? It's possible. It's possible. And that's a team that gives the Golden State Warriors fits. And that's why I say they can. Because they can, they, they match up well against Golden State for whatever reason. And maybe it's because they don't know better because they're so young. Yeah. But they match up really well against the Golden State Warriors. So, yeah, I think the Grizzlies can do it. And that's why I would also consider them a, a contender, even though you typically wouldn't do that for a group that has yet to prove they can win an actual playoff series. I do, too. And, you know, to have that early arriver feeling, that early arrival feeling of that team that you know is not that far off, but maybe this year they arrive a little bit earlier than you thought to get to the conference finals. You, you know you know what they give off to me, and, and I know this is taboo in the tri-state area, and I shouldn't say this because I'm a Yankees fan, but this is, this is, this is giving me 2017 Houston Astros vibes. It's a young team that you didn't necessarily think you would expect to be that good, and they got a superstar in Jose Altuve. Now I know the whole cheating scandal and all that. Oh, there's just, a cheating but, joke in there but, somewhere. But, 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 I'm ta- but I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about where they were, you know, four or five years prior to where they ended up, and then winning a championship. That that's what I get when I look at this Memphis Grizzlies team because you have a superstar in John Moran, a guy that on any given night is the best player on the floor. East, two contenders for me. Sixers, Bucks. That's it. I, I'm not That's on the, the heat. list. I'm not in on, on, in on the heat yet. I'm not in on the mid-range Messiah, DeMar DeRozan yet. <laughs> with I the love Bulls. that nickname, by the way. Uh, yeah, love and, it. And I'm not in on the Celtics yet, despite what we saw last night. Now, the Celtics have won 13 in the last 15. I you're understand still, You're that. still not in on them. I, we're talking about contending to get out of the East. No, I'm out. I have a hard time disagreeing with you. When I look at Miami, I feel like the disrespect, the slander couldn't be greater because nobody is giving them them flowers. They just find ways to continue to win basketball games. Like last night, that was a game they had no business winning with no Kyle Lowry, no Jimmy Butler, and no P.J. Tucker. And Kevin Durant coming back and dropping 31. They had no business winning. But you know what? They had four guys, four, that scored north of 20. And Bam had 30. They got Tyler Hero. They got Max Strauss. They got a lot of guys that are in range as soon as they get off the bus in the parking lot. So I'm not going to dismiss a good shooting team well coached like the Miami Heat. But coming up next, is LeBron responsible for the mess in L.A.? Carlin and I will chime in on it. You're listening to ESPN Radio.